Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching and welcome to the first of a series all about classroom management. Can I get an amen? Hi, Amanda. Hey, nothing more exciting than classroom management. Wow. Well, it's not like the <laughs> sauciest topic we've ever talked about. And yet, I mean, when we dig into what we mean by classroom management strategies and kind of the stuff we're going to be talking about over the next, let's see, I'm looking at our outline. One, two, three, four episodes, including today in this series. It is exciting. And it is a lot of the like stuff that fires up your soul also happens to be really good for behavior management. So like, we love it. We love a good one-two combo, don't we, here at Brave New Teaching? We do. And we like we talked to you guys last week about this same concept of it's so fun to get lost in the sparkly object school supply train of color coding. Yeah. Oh, of all of it, of all of it. And classroom management is something that is hard. Um, something that I admittedly avoided really confronting what my struggles were for a long time, because I really thought everyone else can do this. What's wrong with me? It's one of those things that I think we need to keep putting it out on the open. You know, it's not easily photographable. It's not going to show up in a seven second reel when you're scrolling Instagram. I mean, if it is, it's probably a quick fix that might have some issues or you need to go read more about it. So I'm excited to spend like a really deep, series. And by the way, our series is not just Marie and I talking. 
No, no. Fun fact. We have a couple of interviews from some really amazing educators who have got their classroom management really dialed in in ways that are so organic and very invigorating, quite frankly, I thought. And really responsive to all students. And and let's let's kind of bring this, I think, to the forefront of this series and this conversation. Behavior management, classroom management has not been equitable over the course of my career. Like I I don't think it really was something that I thought about until the the later half of my career. For a long time, we were very much kind of raised, Marie and I anyway, our kind of age group, I think of teachers. Yeah. We were raised in an age of clip charts and behavior charts and not so much at the secondary level, but even for us, like reward systems and a lot of things that were just on the surface, maybe serving you know, one end, but also damaging and creating inequitable experiences in our classrooms. And well, so and, and super antiquated for all of those reasons. And I think that this little intro that we're doing might rub some of our listeners the wrong way because you're like, but wait a minute, it works. We want you to, before we go to music and before we really dig in, we want you to think through ways that you can be open and receptive to what we're talking about. And we are not saying this because we've always done it right. Like Amanda said, this all comes from over a decade for both of us of classroom experience, of trying things, of doing what we were told to do and what we had seen modeled for us our whole entire childhoods and educational careers, and then getting into like teaching careers and trying the same things and seeing them sort of work, seeing them not work, seeing them work in a gradient and work for some kids and not for others. And that's really what we want to dig into is like, what is something that can be equitable and responsive to all kids. It's not going to be perfect every time, but what are practices that we can put into place? And that's going to take some soul searching and it's going to take some really frank reflection. And that's okay. It should be uncomfortable because also imagine how some of our kids have been feeling. They've been uncomfortable. So now it's time for us to get uncomfortable in looking at our own practices and how we can navigate serving all of our students as best we can. And we get it. That's why we're here. This is hard. This is overwhelming because we know at the start of any semester or the start of any time you're kind of resetting, you're also planning lessons, teaching content. Some of you are learning the content for the first time because you've never taught X, Y, or Z. Right. You're a chapter ahead. (laughs) Yes. Right. On top of managing behaviors that maybe you've never seen before or being at a grade level you've never been in before and you didn't anticipate that ninth graders would act this way. Um, So it's a, it is fluid. It is something that is really, really overwhelming. So we're hoping that this series starts to kind of just take a little bit of that pressure off. We're going to be real with you. We're going to be supportive of you. And we're going to try to give you, again, resources, other people that we're going to interview to help you um, and just really give a full 360 on this experience in a way that you can move forward a little at a time, a little better at a time, no better, do better. And that's what we're here to help you with. Yep. It is all a process. And as we dig into that process, it's time to cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. 
We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. So last week we had an episode. If you missed it, it was all about August dreams and all of the wonderful things that we think of in back to school and all of these big, huge plans that we have. And then September hits and all the realities that come along with it. And classroom management is kind of wrapped up in a lot of that, at least in my own brain. I am absolutely guilty of trying to do the one-stop shop, quick fix, gimmicky things when it comes, like, if I just get this system in place, all of my classroom management issues will be solved, right? It's... It's a very natural it's it's a natural thing to like try to lean into. If I've got all of these different procedures and I just have everything really lock and step in my classroom, I will have zero it I'm laughing at myself paradise. already. It shall be paradise. Every child will be engaged and they will be happy and all will succeed. Well, like obviously if I'm making a silly voice, we know that this is just not how like human beings work in the first place. So a lot of what we have to talk about today totally involves trying some of those one stops, seeing what you can borrow and what strategies you can take from a gimmicky system or color coded something, right? What can you weave into a deeper and like, well, a broader philosophy? And Amanda was saying like, really take a 360 view at teaching the whole student because all of that plays into behavior and classroom management. Um, but I'm all about try it. Try it. If you think, you know what, actually, this could really work because this is something I could sustain throughout the whole entire course. Give it a try and you find out it works great. You find out it doesn't. That's okay. We'll get into more of those strategies, I think, later on in this series as we have some interviews and as we kind of like wrap it up later on. Today, we are looking at some philosophy maybe shifts or maybe just even like refocusing. We are looking a little bit more holistically at a teaching practice that has some big ideas to it. And I think what Marie and I are really focusing in on is how these things lay the foundation early in your year, early in your semester, and seeing how these things are going to lay that foundation for the rest of the semester even though the title of our episode kind of does sound a little bit like a gimmick. There are three R's and three C's. It's all just being cheeky and thinking about what are the things that are really going to help create the kind of classroom that I really want my students to have. The classroom is my space. I feel like in the summer, it's my, my garden, but I'm creating it for my students, and for the kind of learning that I want to see happening, the hard conversations I want my students to be having, the types of skills that we're going to be practicing. You know, I think that that's something that, again, we can forget about when those hard things come to be later in the semester when we're so wrapped up in the hubble-lub of the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Well, so, and for those of you who have been through our course, Curriculum Rehab, we've talked about this many times on the podcast. We begin that course with a whole module on like figuring out your own teaching journey, personality. We call it the pillars of your teaching practice, right? Like we have our curriculum rehabbers write a teaching manifesto of what are the things that are going to come out of your classroom, your practice. Um, And so that's really like what we're leaning into today. You've already heard from me in, I wrote it down, episode 94. It was episode 94 when Amanda had left me for Italy. If we all could just revisit that 
sad time of our lives. Um, it was a solo episode of just me and I call it my three C's of classroom management. And it's really, it sounds gimmicky, but it's really not. It's something that practices to put into place that are maintainable and that maintenance over time will create a culture where managing behavior and classroom management is not such an overwhelming thing, but it's more of just like an environment and a whole cultural process. Those three C's, because you've already heard me talk about them. And if you haven't, head over to 94 and then I'm just going to list them for you really quickly. Clear expectations. Communicate clear expectations of exactly what is expected, not just of students, but also what they can expect from you. So whatever that means, right? And so like my expectations, and I talked about this in the episode, have to do with respect. Respect for others, respect for this place, the the actual environment in which we're in, and respect for yourself. And then we like go into what all of that means. Constant reminders is my second C. Just because we've told them this before, just because they've been trained on something does not mean that students are going to come back from Thanksgiving break and remember it all. It all goes straight out the window, right? And so constantly reminding students of those clear expectations is key. And it feels like we shouldn't have to, and we probably shouldn't, but human beings do a lot of things that are ass backwards and kids are human beings. So there we go. And then my third C is consistency. And that's probably the hardest one because we are human beings just like our students are and they have bad days. We have less than amazing days sometimes too, but having consistent expectations and consistent, what's the word I'm trying to say? Consequences for someone who fails to uphold the expectations There is wiggle room. Yes, it is case by case because yes, students all have their own individual story. And yes, we are teaching the whole child. But if that is like the goal is consistency in as much as it makes sense for each person, then those three C's are going to take you really far as part of your practice and keep you calmer because you know what to expect. And I think that that is, I mean, I'm listening to this thinking about mid-career teacher Amanda, beginning teacher Amanda, and I'm thinking about Again, like this is, we talk about this also in our masterclass down with the reading quiz. And I talk about this a lot with even just the way that I lesson plan. I feel like I was raised educationally, like pedagogically, I guess I should say, in the, in the world of needing to constantly shake things up. Right. The edutainment kind of. Yes, I really, and I remember going into some interviews and I remember being a young teacher thinking like, oh man, like I'm going to do something different every single blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be exciting. And I was, you know, oh my gosh, reinventing even like classroom procedures all the time. And oh my gosh, that takes some painful ways to learn that that consistency and the clarity are all sacrificed when I'm shaking things up all the time. I was consistently unpredictable. Well, and what that does is it it's a breeding ground for anxiety. It's a breeding ground for when, when students are anxious, whether it's like true deep anxiety or just like, I don't know what to expect. That also creates wiggle room for some of our, I mean, they're always my favorite kids, but like some of our real spicy attitudes to like <laughs> go, oh, cool. We're going to do something new today. I'm going to fart around and like make life hard for everybody. And I think that this is this is exactly kind of when we come back to this idea of equity and serving all of our students. I mean, we need to be 
really thoughtful about what those consistent expectations are and how they're reinforced consistently. But that is huge for students, especially. And I worked for a long time with a huge variety of students, but I know that my students who came from homes and lives and backgrounds that were unpredictable, school was the place where I could create that sense of comfort in predictability and comfort in clear expectations and knowing when and where I can get away with things and can't get away with things. Um, and this goes all the way through from behaviors to even academics. And that's going to kind of come into, I think, my my three R's a little bit. But this is good for children, kindergarten through 12. And beyond. I mean, so think about when we were in our credential programs, right? And some of you listening are still in. Some of you listening have, it's been a minute like us. Uh, we, I'm guessing we're all still learning about Maslow, right? Are we still in the hierarchy of needs? Learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the most base level of need, like students have to get to a certain level on that pyramid before they're going to be open to learning, right? Optimally, they'd get all the way through, but like we're not necessarily going to get to the tippy tip top in a 88 minute class or whatever. But if students feel physically and emotionally safe to a certain extent, optimal opportunity for learning. And that directly contradicts the idea that we were both taught that things need to be exciting and lively all the time. Because if they, like Amanda was just describing, if they are exciting and lively, all it doesn't mean that I'm not a high energy teacher. It doesn't mean that we are droning through everything. It just means that I am consistent and I have created a foundation of students know what to expect. And if I know that I'm going to do something different and lively and experimental and totally outside of the box, they've got a little bit of warning so that they know, yes. right? Like I, whenever I do, those of you who have heard the... um I talked about it on an episode where I went through the Hamlet Macbeth unit and I talked Mm -hmm. about the murder mystery party. So if you've done our first Shakespeare festival, you have this, but any, anything that's immersive or just totally different classroom transformation, all that stuff on the days that you want to do something super exciting. If you've got that consistency and the foundation built, students will respond to it really, really well when they know it's something exciting and different and fun. Brave new teaching listeners, I have to just quickly stop in and check on you. How are you doing? Are you ready for back to school? I want you to remember that there's so much more about back to school than getting your shopping list taken care of. If you're scrambling in your head and losing sleep about organizing your first 10 days, your first two weeks, your first couple of days, I want you to know that I've been working so hard all summer to bring you a course that will bring you peace, purpose, and a sense of direction for your entire semester. My brand new course, The First 10 Days, is ready for you, and I am so anxious to get it into your hands. I want to share, first of all, a quick testimonial from a teacher friend of mine who's already gone through it and what she's experiencing. Take a listen. Hey, Amanda, I wanted to let you know that I purchased your first 10 days and I am only on day two. I just got done watching day two video and I absolutely love the content. Like, this is so, so good. I am so excited to go back to school. I'm taking all sorts of notes. I am re-watching the videos. I am really just, like, taking my time going through each video and the resources that you are providing. 
Um, I needed this. I told you I'm preparing for year number 16 of teaching, and this is so, so good. Whether you're preparing for year 16 or year one, I'm here to walk alongside you if you're feeling a little bit lost. Re-entering the classroom this year is going to be tough, but going in with clarity, purpose, and a real sense of where everything is headed, you will feel confident and that confidence will transcend into everything you do in building the classroom community that you and your students deserve. I hope I can help you stop by the show notes today to check out and see more of how the first 10 days can support you getting ready for back to school. Back to the show. All of this is just giving me life because I feel like what (laughs) you're going through and no matter where you are in your career, this is reassuring and also simplifying all of the things I need to stress about. Well, and I think that that's where like your three R's, which you're going to talk about in just a minute, and my three C's are really a way to like help me zone in the focus. Because Amanda was saying earlier in the episode, we have so much to do. We have oh we God. have so much to do, whether it's the beginning of the year, whether it's the end of a grading period, whether it's just like drudging through March. Like we have so much always to do. So to be able to simplify things into, okay, do I have things clearly communicated? Great. Am I constantly reminding them? Great. And am I being consistent? Sort of, right? Like what it mm-hmm. makes it easier for me in a reflective teaching practice to like go and see where I need to set goals and where I need to put my energy and focus. Um, it just like focuses things nicely. Okay, let's hear about your R's. Yeah, so mine are derivative of yours. I mean, I think that they they kind of go hand in hand. Mine might be more on the implementation side. So I think for yours me, is the stuff to do. Yeah, so they kind of work together really nicely. So the, my three R's begin with routines. And Marie and I will link in the show notes episodes where we've kind of gone into this in much more detail. We've talked about classroom management before, kind of in a one-off episode. I've talked about this in other back-to-school series, but routines means routines. And it goes really well with consistency. Um, Uh This is something that, again, I had to learn the hard way. Um, And the two routines that I really zero in on at the beginning of the year are how I start class and how I end class. Mostly because these are the two things that at the beginning of my career, I was the most concerned about when I was being observed. Not not a great reason to have started those. Um, But but talk about a realistic pressure, though, that you are under, that we were all under, that many of our listeners are under. So like, yeah, you might be like, oh, that's not the best thing, but it's real. Like we still have to, we still have to pass those evaluations to keep teaching kids. So like, I think that don't be too hard on yourself. Well, it turns out those are two really important things anyway. Like (laughs) where they came from is kind of a a pressure, but it was also, and the reason that I still talk about them is because these are the two timeframes of the class period for me that I was the weakest. So the problem I used to have at the beginning of the period is teacher friend Amanda was catching up with all the kids. How you doing? How was the game? Blah, blah, blah. How was your concert? Oh my gosh, your boyfriend did what? Oh my gosh, no way. And there's like a swarm (laughs) of children at my desk. And I was like, they love me. We've got relationships. Uh Look at these relationships. I am one with the people. Oh, Mm -hmm. I was the cool teacher. I was friends with everyone. And I'm not using that word lightly. And it was a badge of honor until (laughs) I started to 
grow a lot and peek over the shoulders of the students that were swarming my desk and see the students who were sitting at their desks doing what they were supposed to do, not getting attention from me. The other half of the room that was doing unsavory things because I wasn't paying attention to them. Um, And just then the clock, how much time I was losing in my very short amount of time that I have to teach content. So there were a lot of issues happening at the start of class. And I did have a wonderful observer come in. It was actually a fellow teacher. And she said, do you know how long it took you to start class? And I was like, like three, like two minutes. She's like, well, no, it was seven. And I was kind of like, oh God, like we only had 48 minute periods. Oh, wow. And so like, that was a huge shock to my system of, no wonder I feel like I'm not getting through my material. Like part of that's on me. Yes, you're not. And so, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, yeah. Also those periods were really, really short and I didn't know what I was doing. Also part of that was right. That was also my discomfort with the curriculum is it was I kind of saying it was all of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was kind of like, Oh God, like I remember the beginning of my career, like the thought of filling that amount of time was so scary. Uh, Cause I didn't know what I was going to talk about that whole time. Oh my gosh, you guys like for real, please don't ever look at Marie and I and think oh, that we've always been this way. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, and now, yeah, now we're at a point where even when I'm teaching something brand new, I know that I know what I'm doing. So I'm yes. like, and, and I'm perfectly fine being like, hey, kids, I'm you're ahead of me. But that's because I'm at where I'm at. And I've been through all the trials. I was the same teacher as Amanda is describing right now. Yes. And it would take me forever to get class started. And then I would like not know how to feel the end of class coming, which I have a feeling is what you're going to talk about next. <laughs> well, well, exactly. And, and I think that that's so like my advice to you is maybe the beginning of the class is not where you're having problems. I would think about in your given instructional time, start with the time of the day where you're having the most classroom management issues? You know, is it during activities where kids are moving around? Is it the beginning or the end of class? Is it when they're supposed to turn something in? Is it when you have them turn and talk, but they turn and lose it? Um, (laughs) Kind of start to troubleshoot your routines around your problem areas. That's like my official diagnosis for routines is don't, don't do the ones that I do because I say that they're important. Or even if you Google this, they're going to, you're going to hear something different everywhere. I really think routines should start in your own trouble areas. That's, that's my advice. No, I think that's perfect advice because for me, the beginning of class is a little bit of a shit show, but like, I kind of like it that way. Like, it's just kind of my, we have a bell ringer, which I'm going to bring back. If you remember earlier this season, I was talking about how I forgot to do my bell ringers all last year, but like, that's a pretty good. And so we kind of like chit chat while they're doing the bell ringer, we catch up as we're sharing our answers and we get that going. And it's like between five to eight minutes, I would say of like solid talking time. And that's fine with me because it all has a purpose. So I guess that is a routine in and of itself. But Mm. my, my end of class is where we lose it. If students aren't actively working on something up to the bell, uh, and even when they are up to the bell, I will forget to make the announcements I need to make at the end of class. I, it's generally me uh, getting loosey goosey at the end of class that creates issues because like, 
Yeah. And that's it, right? So you figure out where that area is and create your routine around it and then follow Marie's advice and be consistent about your reinforcement of it and clear about all of the boundaries that it, that it entails. I will definitely share more about this. There's, I have a blog post. I will link in the show notes. I have a small little course you can take if this helps you and you really want to dig in. Um, but routines for me are huge, but you want to start small, like start with one routine. That's really going to fix an issue and then layer in the other ones that you might need that at least the ones that are more involved, you can have other routines going on all the time, but from a classroom management standpoint, then it's not a Band-Aid. A routine is something that's going to consistently over time improve the classroom environment. And just like Marie said, the goal of your room is to create a brave, safe space where students can have hard conversations, be vulnerable, trust each other. And if they don't have the scaffolds, the boundaries to hold on to, to make that possible, then that's on us. And so for me, like a routine is the best place to start. Um, so if you need, need help, feel free to ask us, you know, reach out on Instagram and we can chat with you more. Um, but that's my first R. So my second R is rigor and rigor happens to be an R that's relatively misunderstood, misused or differently understood. Maybe I should say Uh, when I say rigor, other than the fact that it's like cute, that it fits with the other R's is really the idea of having high expectations for students and keeping those expectations high without constantly changing them. Right. So what that looks like in real life for me is that I give students, for example, one of my grading policies was that everyone turns something in on the turn in day. We all turn it in. We all click turn in together. No matter how complete or incomplete something is, you're clicking turn in. I'm standing over your shoulder. And if you don't click turn in, I'm going to click turn in. And then I'm going to grade everything as raw as it is. You're going to get full on feedback from my rubric. You're, and you're going to get it. Yes. And once you have it, now it's your choice. Are you going to take that feedback and improve your score? Are you going to leave it as it is? Are, what, what are you going to do with it? And so it kind of takes away this, you know, there's this stigma that goes along with a lot of our grading practices about revision and skill building and mastery and all this kind of stuff. And then there are students who learn at different pace and that's beautiful, but we also need to keep things moving. So it kind of has that bridge of accountability. We're going to do the work while we're learning the skill because we're all working on it together. But then once you have feedback, you're going to get a chance to kind of move things forward. So the zero policy in my classroom is there is no, there are no zeros because you have to turn it in and I'm going to score what you have. And students kind of over time, as I tell them like, well, no, I won't take it late. I'm not, there is no late. You turn it in. Like we're going to turn it in and I'm going to grade what you have. And if you have nothing, I'm going to give you a nothing and I'm going to give you feedback on how to make it better. Because it's like that. I mean, that's a very real life lesson in I need to grade something now. So you need to turn something in now and then it comes back on you. And that's the thing is, is I try to make room for those experiences really early Mm -hmm. because I want students to know that my expectations are very high, but they're also grounded in the ideas of revision, improvement, empathy, compassion, but I'm not going to lower the bar in the way that I used to tell myself that that was helping students. And I think we all saw this very clearly in 
the early parts of 2020 is we took away all academic expectations and students just said, cool, bye. They just flopped like fish out of water. Yes. It was a disaster. Well, and we haven't really had this conversation, I think on a larger scale of, I think that we kind of sometimes mince words when it comes to being a compassionate teacher that understands the circumstances of students, but also a teacher who keeps the bar high and shows students the way of how to get there. And that's what I really, really was sad about is that instead of helping our students get there, we just took all the expectations away. Yeah. It was an or instead of an and. Yes. Yes. I agree. And that's, that's another conversation for another day, probably to get into more deeply, but students who struggle lowering the bar for them is maybe something that they might be a little bit too used to and maybe expecting you to do. And I've found that keeping the bar high and helping them get there, whether that's being available for a meeting, whether that's adjusting the expectations, but still the deadline stays the same or whatever that might be. Well, this is actually the topic of our last episode in this series is about how to, what it really looks like to hold the bar. Yeah. And and how to do so in a way that is really compassionate. And that's hard to do when a lot of voices in your building might be telling you otherwise. I can't tell you how many times I had requests to modify an assignment before I had actually given it to a student. <laughs> and my, my response was always, I want the student to try it first. And then if we notice X, Y, and Z issues, let's adjust from there. Like this is yeah. school. This isn't like the end of times. <laughs> like if if I give a student something really challenging and they struggle with it, we shall reteach, revisit, and adjust. Um, but adjusting before we give students the chance to even try—that's really concerning. So that's my—that's our. That's what I mean by rigor is is really just pushing kids and telling them that I believe you're capable of this. I believe you can do this. And that's yeah, so let's figure out how to help you meet that bar. And that actually takes you to your third R. That's relationships. Yeah. And Marie and I, I, that's, this one doesn't require a whole lot other than the fact that I used to think, you know, giant ring of children around my desk. I used to think that was relationships and it's not. I mean, relationships are all about trust and giving students the kind of environment that they deserve. Uh, and that is one that is balanced and that you are fully aware of the issues and intricacies of mm-hmm. the relationships within your classroom and that the one between you and your students is a respectful boundary, <laughs> not an overly invasive one. Like I was very, very concerned, not, not enough concerned about when I was a young teacher you know, relationships take time. Just like we said earlier in this episode Mm -hmm. and last week, all of these things we cultivate over time, over the course of the semester. They're not a one-stop shop. Ooh, we did a great icebreaker. Now we have great relationships. Like that's just not how it works. And I think you can't build those relationships unless you're also doing routines, having consistent expectations. And like Marie said, all of her things too, those, those things have to be there to build relationships. Constant reminders. That's yep. honestly constant reminders is the one that you go, but I shouldn't have to. And you, and, and, and every single time I'm like, but this is real life. Real I life. shouldn't have to do a lot of things, but this is real life. And these are real life kids and they need the constant reminders. And that's and, it. And that's, and remembering that your goal is not a perfect 
classroom. Your goal is creating, like Marie said, an environment. Um, We talked about that last episode, the environment of your room, a space where we can do all the hard things that we need to do and that where your students are going to be academically and socially successful. If they're just open to learning, then you're already three quarters of the way towards meeting that goal. Huge. Huge. Absolutely. Well, friends, I hope this helps you guys think through. Yeah. Like we said, this is going to be a series where we are going to ask you to reflect a lot through what we are talking about when we are talking to our interviewees. Yes. And they are talking about their own experiences. Take the moment to either press pause on this or come back to it and like give yourself some reflection time because this is for me, one of the best ways that I can improve my own teaching and my own practice. And just like as a person is to hear the experiences of others and then compare them to my own and reflect back on myself and look at what do I do? What do I not do? What, how can I change what I do to be more aligned with how I want to be and like what I want to do to serve my students and like my fellow educators. So, and take this episode and and I really, instead of trying to do all the things, Yes. Take the thing that resonated the most deeply and that you are most currently concerned about and zero in there. When you have that oh shit moment, what do you think is going to help you the most with your oh shit? And then like, there you go. There you go. Put that on a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Coming soon. <laughs> laptop stickers that say what Marie just said. <laughs> and pack a wall up. We need to, we need that. Sticker I know too. we need to come back to that one. Don't we? We do. We do. Oh, but don't feel like we, we, we went say. through a lot. I just wanted you guys to feel like, you know, you yeah. don't need to do all the things the, Marie and I are giving you like the synthesis of all of our advice. So don't do all the things, find the ones that are speaking to you right now. The most pressing. Exactly. Yes. If everything's pressing, what is the most pressing? And uh, let us know. Let us know what works. Let us know what doesn't work. Uh, Get in touch with us on Instagram and in other places. Make sure you head to the show notes if there's something that you missed or you want to bookmark this or something like that or send this episode along to your teacher bestie to be like, hey, let's be brutally honest with each other and help each other out. It takes a lot of bravery, but it really does help. Like Amanda said, if she had had a teacher that came into her classroom and said, Hey, that was a great way that you started class. She would have been starting class eight and nine and 10 minutes late, right? Like it would have just snowballed because sometimes we just can't see what we can't see and we need others to help us. Friends, speaking of seeing things we can't see, if you would leave us a rating and review on iTunes, it will help other teacher friends find our community and find the podcast. Yeah. You were wondering where I was going with that one. Where was she going with that? It was, it was not a direct route. That was, there were some layovers to that flight. Yeah, it was. (laughs) We do love those reviews, but man, did we get there in a weird way? Okay. Listen, (laughs) I got my, my microphone is leaned on my cup of coffee. So that means that I am under caffeinated at the moment because I can't sip it. So it is not a caffeinated classroom right now. No, this is an under caffeinated classroom, but it is brave new podcast. Teach. I don't know. We got to go. 
Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. Head to the show notes if there's anything you missed or if you want to know about some of the other episodes. Uh, My episode about the three C's where I went a little bit more into detail of what I was talking about and kind of the why behind them. It it helps them make more sense and makes them easier to implement. Amanda's strategies that she talked about with her three R's. She's got a beautiful blog post on that that goes into even more detail. So make sure that you don't miss out on those resources. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to head back here next week for our next in the series on classroom management. It's a pretty gosh darn good interview that we have with a good friend of the podcast, and we are excited for you to hear it. Until we meet again, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.